You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. Glad that you are here, glad that you're spending some time with us. My guest this week is Brian Mudrick, longtime broadcaster with TSN. A uh, quick story about Brian, how he and I met when I was getting into broadcasting, when I decided that I wanted to go back to school. Uh, I had to do a career investigation report when I applied to Nate in Edmonton. I think that's what they called it. So what you had to do was find uh, an anchor or a reporter and job shadow them for a while and then write a little report about what you learned and why you thought you should, uh, uh, I guess, be qualified to get into this school or why you think you would be as good as this anchor or this reporter. So I randomly called up CTV and lo and behold, Brian Mudrick was working in the sports department at the time. That would have been 2004, I believe. So off I went to CTV and I remember job shadowing Brian a few times on the weekends, watching uh, football games, writing highlights, keeping track uh, of tape numbers, that kind of thing. And then many, many years later, well, how many would it be? 2011 is when I started at TSN and Brian had moved on to TSN, uh, working the weekends. And he was the first person that I ever anchored sports center with. So it was a total full circle moment. Uh, so Brian and I, yeah, we've been buddies for a long time and he kind of helped me get into the business. So he is on the podcast. He has had an outstanding career. Brian does it all. If you don't know Muddy, he uh, was an anchor on SportsCenter for many, many, many years. He was a reporter. He hosts a variety of panels. And now he has an unreal job. He is the radio play-by-play guy for the Montreal Canadiens, which is so cool. And he is so good at it. And I am so happy for him because he's had uh, he's had quite a journey. He is a cancer survivor as well. So we talk a little bit about that Super positive guy, awesome outlook on life. He loves golf. He loves curling. He loves wine. We talk about it all. Here's the pod. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Here he is, my very good friend and broadcaster extraordinaire. Is that how, is that the word? Extraordinaire. Brian Mudrick. I was going to call you Byron Murdoch just to be funny, but maybe you need to start off by telling that story or no. Um, that one I might leave on the sidelines, Byron. Uh, actually, when I have uh, when I hit a bad shot on the golf course, I, I yell at myself, Byron, and it's not Byron Nelson. Trust me, it's uh, so yeah. I'd be like, is his name Brian or Byron? I'm like, yeah, no, it's Brian. But anyways, that's a story for another podcast. But yes, yeah. okay. Thank you. It's great, Dasha. I know you're such a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, where are you right now? What are you doing? What are you up to? What does your day look like? Uh, I dropped off my my kid, my Shih Tzu puppy. Uh, my good friend Ryan and his boys and family are taking care of him because uh, I should not be a dog owner with this job I have. But um, so that was cool. And then just getting uh, some prep work done. So it's more nice the Montreal Canadiens, Florida Panthers. Uh, so pretty exciting for both teams. Uh, ben Chirot was traded to Florida. He's actually been skating in Montreal the whole time because the Panthers are on the West Coast. They haven't played since like last week in Anaheim. Actually got back to Florida 
coming to Montreal, uh, closure grew, obviously they picked up as well. So, and the Habs were really sellers, obviously at the deadlines. So just getting ready for the game. A lot of, a lot of fun. Should be a good one tomorrow night. Okay. I want to get into your play-by-play a little bit into more detail at some point later on in this pod, but I want to ask you how you got into this business. I feel like you were one of those people who like, you knew that you wanted to do this from a young age. Am I wrong in that? Nope. Uh, it was, I love sports growing up. I'm like you, I grew up in Alberta, small town kid. I played everything I could play, uh, love competing. And I think at around 14 or 15, I decided that, you know what? I was, I was not gifted a 95 mile an hour left-handed um, slider, curveball, or heater. Uh, so I thought, you know, to stay around sport in the game, uh, this would be pretty cool. And I knew they had a program at Nate's uh, where you went as well, uh, Northern Alberta Institute of Technology in Edmonton. So, yeah, I started volunteering at 16 at Shaw Cable, um, did everything like pulled cable, camera work, audio, whatever they let me do. Um and that's kind of, yeah, I kind of knew at a young age and, uh, who knew all these, I won't even tell you how many years later, but all these years later, uh, <laughs> here we are. I just, I remember you, I think it was you and Jay Onright working together in Winnipeg, correct me if I'm wrong. And you both had frosted tips and just looked like babies, like you, especially like, like you were working so early. Were you not? Well, just let's back Tips were pretty hot back then. They I were, recall, for sure. I look, um, so really funny side story. So I'm sure you've heard this story before, but uh, Jay Onright and I are from the same little town in Northern Alberta, like population 800 people, no joke. Yep. And it, our parents became friends years ago. I remember, I think I'm five years younger than Jay. And I remember trading hockey cards with him when I was like, I don't know, maybe in grade five. And um, his sister, Aaron, ended up marrying my cousin, Trevor, blah, blah, blah. So I've known Jay and his family uh, for a long time. They're wonderful people. And then Jay actually helped me get a job in Winnipeg. And the funny part, so I was like a part-time sports guy. And then two people quit within a week. And I was the only sports guy. And I was like 20. Um, so it was like kind of like, wow, fire. And my backfill job was Jay hosted the big breakfast show, like a morning kind of like breakfasty show. Yeah. And my backup gig I do I would do like the remote guy like the odd time I'd fill in for the regular guy so Jay and I actually have been on TV together for ages and then we kind of I went back to Edmonton he went to NHL Network TSN eventually and then my first sports center actually I posted with Jay Henry. there you go I love I've had a few other of the TSN folks on the pod, people that I know, obviously, Nabil, Lindsay, now you. And I always, I love, I learn all these things about you guys that I didn't know before. Like, even though I feel like I know you pretty well, I love hearing these backstories. Um, what, so when you were growing up, were you a huge hockey fan? Was that your favorite sport? Technically, and you know this, I've never really grown up, Natasha. Um, I'm working on that part of it. Uh, I did. I mean, we grew up, well, I say we, cause you're from Alberta too. I mean, the Oilers were dominating and winning Stanley Cups. Tour. I remember as a kid asking my dad, I thought it was like the WWF. I was like, dad, why don't the Oilers let another team win? Like they get to win all the time. And I'm like, little did I know as a up growing up, like it's not like where they set the matches, but right. it sure felt right. So, uh, and we had season tickets to the uh, Edmonton now Elks. So we used to go to those games growing up. Uh, I love playing baseball growing up. Um, for a while, um, downtown Edmonton, they had the triple a, 
affiliate to the Minnesota Twins uh, for a while. And actually, when I was a young reporter in Edmonton, I got to cover that team. And I think baseball to this day is still in that city. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I loved it. I got to curl uh, at a pretty high level. Uh, I played baseball at a pretty high level. Uh, got to compete in the Canadian Little League uh, Nationals uh, near my hometown. So, yeah. And now I'm just a, a washed up athlete slash uh, middle-aged broadcaster. <laughs> Did you have any mentors that you saw on TV that you admired and you wanted to be like? Um, not, it's interesting. You say that I always, I think at the beginning, you're just so focused on trying to find out who you are and what your voice is and what you can be and who you like, who you are. And I think that's important for young broadcasters is it's awesome to have people that you look up to and love and, and what they do. But I also think it's really necessary, um, to be you, um, because people can see through that pretty quickly. Um, like I was always, I still am. I like to joke around and tease people and have fun. But a lot of times in the role, I couldn't necessarily be that person. So it's kind of nice and play by play. It sort of comes out a little more naturally. Um, one of my all-time favorites, probably Mike Sirico, who just does everything and does it so well. I got to meet uh, Mike at a Wings game because he, he was just watching it because he's going to the All-Star game a few years ago when ESPN, I guess, kind of knew they were going to get some hockey. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to call hockey play by play. I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> it's like, because yeah. the guy, right? He can do everything. I mean, you know, you, you look at uh, Bob Cole was a voice that I grew up with. Um, he'll hate me for saying this, but Chris Cuthbert's a legend. Um, and to get to call the same hockey game as Chris when we had the twin stick with the Sens and the Habs was pretty cool. And then I've had many people that have been helpful. And I hate saying the names because I'm going to forget 20 of them. But uh, when I started doing the World Hockey Championships, Gord Miller took time out of his day to come down and, and help me with, with names and just kind of the lay of the land with the IIHF rules and the different uh, nuances of, of that hockey tournament. And so I've had, I've had so much great help. I look back even, um, you know, people at Nate that helped me. Chris Durham comes to mind. Even when I was sick with my cancer, he would come and visit me. Always believed in me. Um, and then, um, Steve, uh, Hogle, who gave me a great shot at CTV Edmonton as did, uh, um, um, oh my goodness. And this is awful, but the, the, the news director that hired me and he sadly passed away of cancer. I remember going with Ryan Rashog to go and uh, visit him in the hospital. Reg Thomas, Reg Thomas, sorry, that slipped me for a second. Wonderful guy who, who uh, Bryn Griffiths was the sports director who um, is, uh, is still kicking around Edmonton. I need this podcast with Robin Brownlee. So, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, there's a lot of people that you look at. Um, on the one, oh my God. And the one that I have to definitely say is, um, so I used to write highlights. It was back when it was called ITV. You'd remember this. Oh yeah. And, and sports director. And I wrote highlights uh, at the time. Darren Millard was there, but Ron Rimmer, Ron Rimmer was the first guy. I think I was 18 and he took me aside and taught me how to write a sports highlight, like how to actually do it with flow and his, and his brother, Jeff, to this day, is still the play-by-play -play voice, the great of the Columbus Blue Jack. And so it was really cool to meet Jeff and and say, tell that story of how Ron, your brother helped me, um, you know, a million years ago. So many stories like that. I apologize. I probably missed about five names. Um, you know, Mark Millier hiring me with TSN, Paul Graham for giving me a shot to put a play-by-play -play <laughs> microphone in front of me. So many to thank. Can you, okay, I'm going to pump your tires a little bit here because I think you're one of the most versatile broadcasters I know. Like you, 
Ken Report, you anchored Sports Center for so long. Um, you host games. Now you do play-by-play. Like, I feel like you've done it all and you've done it all really, really well. What is your secret? Well, thank you. Uh, I, I absolutely hate compliments, but I've been learning to just say thanks. Um, Natasha, like believing in yourself and I think uh, a really, really hard work ethic. Um, like it probably, I know everyone is different and however they prepare and there's no right or wrong way. Uh, I see, I cause I'm curious how other play-by-play people do it. Uh, or if you're hosting a panel or James Duthie just hosted trade center for 17 hours with no trades, right? Like how does everyone do their thing? And it's so interesting how everyone is so different. Like some broadcasters will have these iPads in front of them set up. I don't know how they even do it with the numbers and line rushes. I'm old school. I love paper in front of me and I like little notes in front of me. Um, and it's just a lot of work. Like I'll put in eight or nine hours, maybe more, you know, for one, if I can, because I, I would rather be way over prepared so that if the Zamboni breaks down or the power goes out and trust me, it has. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whereas, um, you know, it just, it happened recently where there was a, a malfunction in the game and, and, um, with Cheryl Pounder and I at the Olympics. All right. So ROC comes on the ice, then they are not. And then Canada leaves. And there was an hour and a half delay for the COVID testing at the Olympics where we're tap dancing. Yeah. And it, like, so I actually got to tell my story about the power going out of under 18 tournament in North Dakota a million years ago. And then a Zamboni broke down. I mean, so it's preparation stash. It's hard work, uh, believing in yourself and, um, and, Sadly, dealing, I mean, when you make a mistake, everyone can't wait to tell you, um, but that's okay. I signed up for that. Um, but we're also humans on the other side. And of course we have bad games. Of course we screw up, right? Of course, uh, your third game in four nights in a different city and you get up in your hotel room and you don't, you thought the toilet was the closet, but that was the last hotel and you don't know what's going on. So like, there, <laughs> it's like yes. it's a lot. But I'm not looking for any pity or like, I love it. I signed up for it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but it's just a lot of hard work should probably be the simple answer to your question. Okay. So my next question is going to be, give me two pieces of advice for aspiring broadcasters. So I always get that question. I'm going to assume that one of them is preparation, uh, like you just talked about. But what else would you tell people who want to get into this business, especially now in this climate when it feels like it's a shrinking industry? The first thing I would honestly tell them is don't do it. Um, something else. <laughs> I know that's what I want to tell them too. And then I'm like, no, you cannot crush anybody's dreams. But like, that's my instinct is to be like, no, find something else you love. But why I say that Natasha is that if, if, if they, if they're stubborn and are really determined to do it, then that's awesome. Then they've already, <laughs> because it's really hard. And it's very competitive and it's very difficult. Uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, like joking, not joking. I'd be like, yeah, find something else to do. You know what? Whatever. But then I would probably say, talk to as many people as you can beg for uh, advice, help, job shadowing, mentorship, do whatever you can to get someone who's been there or is there to help you. Um, but to, to also take their advice don't think that you're all world already and and you need to take that advice to heart you need to actually look yourself in the mirror and go yeah i'm far from perfect i know i can get better i need to get better um 
like every time when I feel tired or I have a headache or whatever, and I'm getting ready for a game, I think about the 17 million other young people that would kill for my job and they're coming and they're trying and that's awesome. And I think it's wonderful. And we, and I do, we should support them in their push to come up. Cause guess what? That makes me be better. Every game. It makes me not take a game off. It makes sure that ah, I could have prepped No, do it, do your prep work, get it done. Because then when you put on the microphone, the microphone, Natasha, as soon as you put, I'm not on, on a, your TV, but as soon as I'm, I'm fake putting a microphone over my head because I'm a hand. But as soon as you put your, the headset on, that's the funnest part. Mm-hmm. You've done all, done all the preparation. You're just ready to go. We drop the clock. Literally. It's like, and then you're, you're literally, you find that joy and excitement of just simply watching what you see. Cause as you know, Natasha at sports center, we already know what happened. Play by play. You could be calling. I got to call the Trevor Zegras lacrosse goal in Montreal on St. Monsonbo. And, and we almost missed it to be quite frank with you. And it was insane. And it like, it was really cool. Like, so you don't know on any given night, maybe a goalie scores, maybe it's the goal of the century. Like that, how much fun is that? You just don't know. So you better be ready in case it's that night. Right. Yeah. So is play by play the most fun that you've had in your career? Um, I will say yes, just simply yes, because you don't know the ending. Um, you don't know how, what's going to happen. You yeah. don't know how, Oh, there's no, you're writing the script and you're this, have this blessed job to like get to try to deliver that symphony of describing it to the people at home watching. So it's really entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the nicest thing that someone has or, or could say to you is in a five, nothing blowout game, you still made it fun to kind of watch and not flip the channel. Um, and yeah, so that's, but it's, it's a ton of fun, Natasha. Like it's, uh, I get, I still, People, I don't think believe me or care or whatever, but like every time I'm walking up through the Bell Center, which is the best, in my opinion, broadcast place in the league by far. Like when you sit in there and you look down and you can actually see the names on the back of the jerseys, like you're that close. Some of these arenas, like you might as well be on Mars. Yeah. But Bell Center is is so wonderful. And uh, it's like, I still get goosebumps every single game, game 76 of the season. You're still like, this is awesome. Like, it's really, it's really special. When I first started at TSN and I was only supposed to be there for a year, I made it a point to go to Montreal to watch a playoff game because I didn't think I would be living there f- for any amount of time. And I was literally maybe two rows below the press box, but you're right. But I could still see everything and the atmosphere was insane. Just unreal. You can't really. And it's funny because for the last year and a half, even new Montreal Canadians or young players haven't experienced the full bell center. Right. Yeah. And even for us as broadcasters, I have to tell you, and hopefully our bosses are listening or mine are like uh, to your podcast, which they are obviously. Um, we like in the building, Natasha, you can't recreate that calling off tube. And I know at times like that seems to be whether it's budgets, COVID, whatever, you just lose so much of the drama of the crowd. If people want to know if fans matter, oh man, do they ever matter? It, it absolutely makes such a huge difference having that vibe in a building than calling it in you know some closet somewhere uh, and trying to manufacture that and I understand their circumstances COVID's been a heck of a thing and if me calling a game in a closet's the worst thing to happen in two years amazing like been a rough rough go for so many folks but like um, yeah that that I'm so glad you did it I'm so glad you did it did you ole 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 or did they 
I, yeah, I got the whole game experience was wild. I bought tickets on Kijiji, which apparently you can't do anymore from some random dude. Didn't even pay him all the money and just drove to Montreal five or six hours, whatever that highway is. I forget. I guess it's the 401, right? To Montreal. Met this guy yeah. in like a shady gas station. He actually showed up with the tickets. We made the transaction and I watched the game and it was amazing. Like it worked out perfectly. Yeah. That's all. I'm happy for you. Cause that is, that is a building. And that's why I tell you, and I mean it every time I go, I'm like, this is my job. This is insane. Like it's, it's. Well, do you feel, because I know, obviously we talked about your work ethic and I know you hold yourself to a super high standard and you would put the same work in as if you were working, let's say for a franchise like Phoenix, but Working for Montreal is a pretty big deal, an iconic franchise like that. Do you feel a little bit of extra pressure because of that? I don't because I just, it's just, I would put it on myself. I wouldn't care. I mean, I remember my early on, I would call um, a TELUS Cup for the women's AAA, or I could be calling the, you know, the junior A championship and I would treat it and I would treat my interviews exactly like I would if it was game seven of the cup final, because you know what? Those athletes deserve that too. Why not? And their, their parents watching. I'll tell you where my biggest, I think my biggest pressure was, was calling the Olympics, uh, women's hockey. Um, cause I just wanted so badly to do it so, so well for, mm-hmm. for them per se, but their families and the people that have made those athletes are watching across Canada. Couldn't go to Beijing, right? COVID, etc. Those women, Natasha, they were in Calgary in a bubble training. They probably hadn't even seen their anyone in months and had it uh remember Blair Turnbull I think finally saw her fiance who was an athlete in the village at the opening ceremonies hadn't seen him I think in two months like these are the sacrifices that that team in particular I'm not saying I mean they're one of many sacrifices but that team and what they went through with the world's canceled and reflipped and then so I really really took a lot of pride in doing the best I could to to just deliver how much they deserved it delivered. And it that really weighed on me every game because I knew they had all their family, friends, loved ones, parents, everyone watching, and just really wanted to do, do them, do good by them. Right. Would you say that was your favorite? Is it, can you pick a favorite broadcasting moment when you think back? Are there games that stand out goals that stand out? You've called a couple, like you talked about that goal and then Brad Gushu with that crazy curling shot. That one came to mind. Like you, you have a lot, I'm sure a long list. There's many that are really cool. Um, there's, there's one that's just so neat for me that it wasn't even like it was, it was Montreal, Washington, dying seconds, um, tie game. And Ovechkin in his office had the perfect feed with 0.8 seconds left. And Carey Price just got a titch of it with his glove. And after Ovi went and kind of patted him on the thing, like, great job. I remember that. Just two of, like, the greats of our generation, the best to do it. And that moment was really cool. Um, Sidney Crosby was the captain at the World Championships in Prague in 2015. They had a superstar team. Uh, so I got to be the reporter on ice level for that. And then I called about 12 games. Gord Miller is obviously the voice. So, uh, but I got to report Sidney Crosby. So, you know, over the boards interview, uh, they, they beat Russia for gold. It was a dominant team. I mean, it, they had a list of all-stars that year. And that was the first time Crosby would come over. And when you win Olympic gold and a Stanley cup and a world championship gold, you are part of the triple gold club. 
So that was Sydney's first time doing that. And I'll never forget this. So I get ushered in a room because TSN had like great access. So I'm in the room and all these superstars of the game are going nuts, champagne, having a blast. Like, this is insane. Like, this is pretty cool, right? Like, because you're obviously I'm Canadian. Like, so it's a pretty special moment. Crosby gets whisked out. Uh, and then he gets his ring in a little ceremony. There's like four people in the room, including me. So I take out my phone. I'm like, I can get a photo. This is pretty cool. <laughs> and so I snap the photo. Uh, JJ Hebert was the PR guy that year. And I said, JJ, I haven't even talked to Crosby yet. It's an hour after the game. He's still got his skates on. Like an hour after. And he's like, and, and like City typical class is like, you know, Brian, you've been here all month. You're fine for the interview. No problem kind of thing i was like this guy's like just super class right like like you're surprised like another Sidney crosby classy moment right so did the interview with him he think he finally took the skates off but like that's a moment uh that's probably up there just from a just a really cool um that was cool it was cool as a canadian to watch team canada do that and him get that ring in that moment i was gonna ask you your favorite interview and that certainly sounds like one any any did you get have you been starstruck by anybody else no, you know what? Not like that. Um, my coolest moment, probably one of them. I have a couple, but I remember I just joined TSN and I was in Edmonton at this little, this nice little lounge. And I was with a bunch of my friends and I look over and one of my girl buddies is like yanking my arm, like, Hey, that's Wayne Gretzky in the corner. And I look up, I'm like, Oh, that's Chris Cuthbert. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, so <laughs> And Ray Farrow, this was after the Worlds. Uh, I've actually told Chris this story. It's really, it's awesome. So <laughs> so Ray Ferraro was with them as well. They were clearly, whatever, having a drink after something. And so I'm like, listen, let's not bug them. I'm sure they get, but like I said, I know Ray. I'll go over and just say hi. Let me get the lay of the land. And then if it's cool, like whatever. So I go over there. I say hi to Ray. Thank God he remembered me. Like we just worked at the, the Prague, actually, those Worlds. And Chris, I'm like, Chris, so great to meet you, whatever. Nice to meet you. And then, you know, I said hi to Wayne Gretzky. And, and Wayne actually asked a little bit about curling, you know, probably just to be polite, whatever. And then, uh, and then, so I kind of was like, okay, I said, Wayne, I'm so sorry. Like, and of course, all oh, there's like five girls like this, like waiting, like for the, the green light for the photo. I'm like, Wayne, those women would really like a, a photo. It's like, oh, no problem. Uh, so they come over, made their day, right? So I got the phone, I take the photo. I pass the phone to Wayne and go, Wayne, can you take a photo of me and Chris Cuthbert? And Wayne laughs and goes, the goal, the goal, of course. So Wayne Gretzky took the photo of me and Chris Cuthbert. So that, that was pretty cool. That is an awesome story. <laughs> I, normally Wayne's probably in those photos. So right. I, I got a kick out of that. Well, I hope he did. I don't know if he actually did, but I thought that was pretty funny. That is a great story. Uh, you mentioned curling, which I also wanted to talk to you about. So you and I both love curling. And for people who don't get it, I feel like I'm always trying to explain why it's so awesome and why I'm so hooked to it. How, how do you describe the joy of curling? Why do you love it so much? I just think the strategy is, is amazing. I actually, a fun fact, a massive dork. I was the Alberta runner-up chess champion in grade five. There's a fun fact <laughs> Okay. See, these are the things that I don't know about you guys. The chess yeah. champion in grade five. I love it. Runner up. Uh, runner up. Sorry. Ottawa, if I won. And I was up a, a rook and a pawn on him and they put stop clocks on us. I had never seen a stop clock in my life for the final stash. I'm not bitter at all. Still. Anyways. Um, it, so it's like chess, like in a lot of ways, right? It's three or four moves ahead. Um, and the curlers themselves, the men and the women are just so awesome. They're the easiest, they're most laid back uh, people to deal with. 
they they understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to promote the sport, get grow the audience. Uh, calling the Olympics in Vancouver was just like an absolute thrill. You asked me about moments. Well, that's got to be way up there too. You're right. It's hard to like rank them. Um, but that was really special. Uh, and the fact that my now dear friend, Cheryl Bernard, won a silver. Uh, Kevin Martin's team won the gold in the building for both. Just wow. And it was really neat during that experience in Vancouver. You met people from all around the world. And I got to explain, I'd say about 60 times, so uh, salt and pepper shakers, like how curling works. Um, and that was really neat, right? You'd be in a pub and like, oh, you do the curling. Oh, teach me, like, what does that mean? Or how does that work? Or, you know, why do they do that? Um, so, I, and I just, and I love playing it, I guess, because I understood it at a young age. I mean, I grew up in a little town where we had a 3D sheeter and I've curled since I was eight years old. So I'm your, you know, your token prairie guy story that, you know, did that. Um, and, and I, and I, I really enjoy it. I miss, um, like I've had to, uh, I had to miss the Scotties this year because of the Olympics. Um, and yeah, it's, that's the first Scotties I've missed since 2009. So that was, yeah, it was just like, Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. But, and they're great people. They're wonderful people. Okay. I have a couple more and then I will let you fly to Montreal. Literally. Uh, I feel like people love hearing like the behind the scenes stuff and when things don't go so well. So do you have any embarrassing moments <laughs> that you would like to share? I just don't even know if I can. Oh. Um, some of them are that bad. Um, oh, really? Oh yeah. There was some real bad ones. Um, uh, let me just try to think of one. I'm not stumped that often. Um, yeah, like a lot of them were, a lot of them were years ago. Um, and what's a good one that I could, <laughs> I mean, there, there's lots of Freudian slips where you screw up. So like, you know, like when there's uh, you know, the Leafs win four nothing on a shutout from whoever Morazic. And I said something not quite like shut might've been right or two, but humans have to do sometimes like, you know, there's that. Um, yeah, honestly, stash, I, I probably just, they're probably not fit anymore for podcasts because they were pretty brutal. A lot of them. I just, I learned at a young age to just never swear. Just don't do it. If you have a microphone, you pretend like you're like, even recently at the Olympics and we didn't know this, nothing bad was that, but Cheryl pounded her eyes. She's like, Oh my goodness. We have so much fun. Like, like we're nonstop laughing. She's a card. If you know, Cheryl, like she's just mm -hmm. nonstop. But like I told her, fine. Like apparently they're picking us up. We got a tweet or a text. Like you guys are having a great time, even during the commercial breaks. We can hear everything. <laughs> like oh, oh. but because it was, I think, on the streaming stuff, and like, we weren't saying anything bad, but we were just being us. Like um, so, yeah. If you're a young broadcaster out there, just always think that the microphone is hot, like all the time. Well, I think with embarrassing moments too, where when things don't go wrong, you just learn that you have to keep going, right? Like you just pretend that nothing happened a lot of the time. And when I was thinking you and I, March Madness made me think about it. I don't know if you remember this. You had an on-cam that you're reading that had like Ohio, Iowa, Idaho, like all these similar sounding names and like you butchered the whole thing so bad. And it was so funny, but only I knew, like you just kept going and finished <laughs> it like a total pro, but it was Oh, yeah. Like, that, I, was right. yeah. <laughs> that was about right. I've had like, I've had, uh, there, there's one and it wasn't like, it was, it wasn't our fault, but we were just during the Olympics and the curling, we were kind of the secondary crew. So we actually didn't have a feedback monitor. 
where we like knew, like we didn't have replays or whatever. If something was rolled in, it had to be t- like in our ear, say, Hey, this is getting rolled in. And I remember when there's a producer back uh, and we worked with all sorts of different people from everywhere. Cause we were kind of a family, right? It was, didn't matter what network you were with. And we had to get this, I think it was like a sponsored shot of the match brought to you by whoever, blah, blah, blah. And so I kept on talk back going, okay, what's the shot? Okay. Uh, just, just look to your monitor. You'll see it. I'm like, we don't have a monitor. I was like, and I, and I don't blame them because like, they would just assume we did. We clearly did not. But I said about five times, we don't have a monitor. You, can you give me the team that made the shot? We can tap dance it. Okay. And five or like, you got to give us something. Shot of the match. Just read it. Just read the monitor. And I look over at a monitor and Kat, like Kathy and Russ are looking at me like, like wide eyed, like, what is he going to do? And I was like, and the shot of the match is brought to you by the figure skater doing a triple axel shooting the archer during the skiing back to you. Cause it was like one of those like Olympic little like things. Yeah. And I'm like, and they're like, okay, great job. Thanks. I'm like, that was like, it's like, like, <laughs> it's like it's, but it's like, like, you're just like, you got no shot. Like, I don't know what the shot is. What's the shot of the match. Anyways, yeah. like it's just, Stuff like that's happened for years and years and years. But um, the one that was really tough was recently because of COVID. So I'm in Ottawa to call a game with Dave Poulin. Okay. Pooley had a close contact. COVID didn't have COVID, but the close contact, he gets pulled. So now all of a sudden, I'm in Ottawa by myself. Mike Johnston has to rush to Toronto to the studio to call color. So we're not even in the same building or city, but he's calling color. I'm calling play by play. And I think this speaks to a how great Mike is at his job, and we thankfully have chemistry that we've developed. We went a full period, Natasha. I couldn't hear him. Could not hear him. So really? I went. I laid out like I, I would lay out until the puck was dropped at faceoffs because that's just kind of what we would do. And then I made sure if it was a clearing and a penalty, I'd lay out so he could maybe pick up. And I guess I guess about eight minutes in, he goes to talk back. So as soon as the, the puck dropped, I start talking, and Mike's like, "Hey." Like he just cut me off. Like, did I, did I piss him off or something? And, 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 and I think it was Franklin. It's like, he can't hear you. He can't hear, he can't hear anything you're saying. And he's like, Oh, and then, so we just, but I went and watched back that first period. And it was, it was amazingly like how it could have been like a million times worse. Right. And that was the time that I jumped. So we still joke about that to this day, <laughs> but it was, it's, we're pretty lucky that it, it still kind of worked. Yeah, that's I've never heard of that happening before. That's a new one. When you can't hear the other person, that's wild. No, I couldn't hear him. Like I and I kept they knew, but I think Mike and I don't know if Mike didn't know that I couldn't, and then they fixed it for the second period. So it was uh there you go. You okay. want to be broad? <laughs> True pro. Okay, last one for you. Um, I think you are one of the most positive people I know, and I think a lot of people could learn from you. You're just your attitude is awesome, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're a cancer survivor and you fought that and survived that when you were a teenager. I think. Um, how has that impacted your life and your family's life too? Oh, I think massive, Natasha. Um, I think at a young age, when you deal with that, you just get perspective that you probably didn't want. Um, it really, you really understand, like, and realize what a bad day actually is. Um, you know, there's many things. You asked me about like coolest moments. There was a young guy who one of his make a wish things. He had Hodgkin's lymphoma, the cancer that I had, and he got to skate with Carrie Price, and he was at the practice in the morning, and. Um, Matt from the Habs came up and he's like, uh, Hey, his name is, um, Sam Smith. Uh, Sam, do you want to 
can Sam come in? Like, of course he can. I knew who he was because I think I sent something on Twitter just saying, good for you, buddy. I had your cancer. And he came in and I met his parents. It was funny because I think his dad was a Leafs fan. He's a big Habs fan. And so he sat in the thing and I put the headset on him. We talked for about 10 minutes and I told him basically like I had his cancer and I'm an old fart now. You're going to be fine. And he, uh, and his parents were bawling. And I remember he left and like, that's probably the coolest moment for me to be able to do that for that young kid. Um, bigger than any sports thing that to me was, was pretty cool. Um, and it's been tough. Like I, I had to say goodbye. I lost my brother at 44 and I was out West calling the Habs. It was my first season. And I had to say goodbye to him because we just knew he didn't have much time and then go call a game that night. And that was really, really hard. Um, and then I just, we lost my grandfather the day of the gold medal game at the Olympics. So my mom and I kind of joke, not joke. It's like, ugh, like can't catch a break. Um, but you know, Natasha, I think you go through rough things in life because then the great days you appreciate them. If everything was great all the time, then well, things would be great all the time. What a world wouldn't that be nice, but they're not, that's just not the way it goes. Um, and, you know, we all have opportunities, right? I could say, or you could say, oh, I have to go to work today. I get to say, I get to go to work today. I get to see my friends today. I get that opportunity. It's not like I have to. It's like you have, you know, an opportunity and a gift to go do something. Um, so I've always tried to spin it that way. Don't get me wrong. We still have bad days. We all do. But um, you really just try to remember whether it's social media, especially nowadays, that there's a human at the other end of that phone mm-hmm. and you don't battling or what they're going through in any given day. Um, so yeah, that's just good perspective. And, and I drink a lot of red wine. Uh, so maybe that's part of the trick. <laughs> I think we need a whole separate podcast to talk about your love for red wine. Sure. That'd be probably more entertaining than the one I just did. You not obviously. Not. No, this was awesome. And I so appreciate the time and everything you just said there about your outlook on life is is awesome. And I have learned a lot from you and your attitude at work all the time. So thank you for that. And um, yeah, thank you for doing this. This was awesome. I hope we get to golf this summer. We are. And I see how good you're getting. I might get strokes this year, Stash. You're getting too good down there in Southern Alberta. It's a net life. I think I learned that phrase from you. That's the phrase, right? No, it's a net world. I'm net world. Net world. Sorry. Again, it just getting just getting hosed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's all right. All right. Uh, thanks again. Have a, an awesome game tonight. And um, yeah, let's do this again down the road sometime. Awesome, Natasha. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. See ya. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on now.